Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thinking of starting a podcast? We'll try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy, Mac. Heading into Sunday's matchup with the Phoenix Suns, the Cleveland Cavaliers were hoping to get back into the win column on this road trip after falling to defeat at the hands of the Denver Nuggets. That was preceded by a three-game win streak. And guess what? They got it. Albeit against a banged-up Suns team that was without Devin Booker and Chris Paul, but a win was had nevertheless. And shit, I'll take a win anywhere I can get them, folks. No two wins are created equally. They held DeAndre Ayton and company below 100 points. And oddly enough, Phoenix's best player on the night may have been off the bench. And that is in Dwayne Washington Jr., who Ohio natives may recall from his three seasons at Ohio State, where he wowed with his three-level scoring ability. Dwayne Washington Jr. was one of my favorite players to watch, uh, you know, while he was with Ohio State. And at some level, you know, just being a complete homer, um, I did want the Cavs to try and figure out a way to get him on when he was available within the draft. Um, you know, for that not to happen really crushed me, but that's besides the point. Um, you know, they, they took DeAndre Aiden out of his element and with him mostly out of the way, the only other starter to dole out any kind of damage was, you know, one of the league's better three and D wings in Michael Bridges. And to be honest, defending wings has been something the Cavs have struggled with for a while now, just something that we've seemed to have an issue with. Uh, the Suns bench actually outscored their starters 50 to 48. Now, I want you guys to let that sink in because I believe that DeAndre Aiden finished the game with 15. I could be incorrect in that regard, but, you know, everybody else was kind of a non-factor. Um, the Cavs, meanwhile, took full advantage of the Suns' injury woes as all five starters scored in double figures with our backcourt tandem of Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell leading the way to the tune of 22 points apiece. Now, you know, the production out of those two was great. And honestly, you know, it's one of those things that's come to be the expectation for those two. Donovan Mitchell has to be his usual dominant scoring self most nights in order for the Cavs to really feel secure in victory. Uh, Darius Garland has to be slinging the basketball around. He has to be able to conduct the offense. And that was the case tonight, you know, finished with uh, a good number of assists. But let's be real, the real excitement for me came from the front court. Evan Mobley, Jared Allen were pretty awesome. 
And you can throw Isaac Okoro in there as well. And if you want to hear an awesome stat, these motherfuckers actually combined for more assists than the backcourt did. Mobley and Allen combined for 11 assists to Garland and Mitchell's nine. That's pretty awesome. I, I love that. I fucking love that. Uh, we talk so much about the passer that Darius Garland is, the way that he is able to conduct the offense around him and set up the bigs for rolls to the rim, or his ability to probe interior defenses in search of driving kicks. It's one of these elements that we've come to love about Darius Garland. And, you know, we saw that really come to a head, really spike up during last season in which he made the All-Star game, which just just great. He was a big reason why Jared Allen was able to get there as well. Uh, but you know, we talk even more about Donovan Mitchell's ability to score the basketball at the drop of a hat from anywhere on the court, especially his penchant for drawing fouls and contact at the rim and flammability from three point range. Those are two big talking points that we've had this season as Donovan Mitchell is one of the better and it one has been one of the like just completely scorchers from three point range this season. He's been absolutely electric and if you guys have been listening for any length of time since that trade occurred, you know that was one of my biggest concerns in regards to some of the perimeter shooting that we were losing in shipping Lowry Markin, uh, Markinen and Colin Sexton out along with Ochai But, you know, the production that we lost from three-point range in those three players, the Cavaliers have gotten back and then some uh, with Donovan Mitchell. So, you know, that last aspect, that that flammability from three-point range, you've com- you've gotten that from Donovan Mitchell, and I couldn't be any more excited about that. But one of the more unexpected developments has been the creation from Evan Mobley out of the elbow or the low post and how well it has seemed to work. And then the Cavs' ha- uh, offense is running through him at times, or even he's just spitballing, because you do see that from Evan Mobley from time to time. He's still prone to, you know, lapses on offense and he can look a little bit lost at certain times. But more often than not lately, he has seemed to really be the game might be slowing down for him. Like, I know that's like one of the biggest cliches in sports, especially when you're talking about the development of uh, young players. But the game really does, at least in that aspect, seems to be slowing down from him. We saw over the offseason that Evan Mobley, you know, he he looks noticeably different. He put on muscle. He's trying to bang with the bigs a little bit down there in the in the low post now. But one of the elements of his game that, you know, is routinely lost, even though it was one of the most highly touted abilities that he had coming out of USC, is his ability to facilitate. And whether that be him just coming off the top and spitballing or the Cavs running offense through him, you know, he's been fairly productive over these last, you know, over this last stretch of games. And, you know, for me, one of the, one of the biggest things that you saw, especially during that Phoenix game was his ability to just kind of conduct and and command and the Cavs to their credit have seemed to kind of allow him to do that. Now, for those of you who are out here watching this via YouTube, I want y'all to peep the way he analyzes what's happening around him as he waits for the play to develop when he's operating out of the elbow. Now, just take a look at this. He's dribbling right there, dribble handoff, another dribble handoff, setting screen, finds Karis LeVert at the elbow. Very effective in doing that. Now, another thing that you see from uh, Mobley is his ability to drive and kick out to the perimeter as he just did with Okoro there. He's awesome kicking it out to the perimeter and finding an open man. You know, it's just one of those things. Look, he's finding Karis LeVert right here. It's it's 
it's just an awesome development. Something that I, I I truly hope the Cavs continue to hone in on. Something I continue to hope that the Cavs, you know, allow him to do. One of those things that I I have high hopes for. And of course, it does help that Mobley is basically seven feet tall and can see over just about everyone. But nevertheless, the patience he exhibits while conducting uh, conducting the also offense from this area is pretty damn impressive. Uh, he, he's very much a connective tissue and when moving the ball, and I think he'll only get better as the Cavs get him more opportunities to run the offense. Now, the interesting thing to keep an eye on as he continues to de- uh, develop this area of his game will be how that dictates how much DG and Mitchell have the ball in their hands. Because I know, for me at least, that was a huge concern coming into the season. I mean, even last year, when you're having to, when the Cavs were having to figure out how to disperse minutes between Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, and Ricky Rubio before this season started, before all the injuries started piling up, obviously, that was a big concern even then because you have three ball dominant guards, three guys who operate best with the ball in their hands. And we're trying to figure out who really should be the primary ball handler here. And so coming into this season, that issue was a little less pronounced but it did come with a different type of concern that's the fact that you know Colin Sexton is one thing having the ball in Colin Sexton's hands was definitely one thing because it definitely took it, it did take the ball out of Darius Garland's hands but Colin w- did not have control of the offense in ways that Donovan Mitchell has with the Utah Jazz prior to joining the Cleveland Cavaliers so that was another concern just how much or who would have the ball in their hands the most, I guess, the usage rates, things of that nature. I was really interested to see that dynamic play out. And to, to you know, JB's credit, to the players' credit, they have done a pretty good job at trying to manage, you know, who has control the, who has control of the ball most of the time. Whether that be DG taking his turns, Donovan Mitchell taking his turn, you know, a little bit of Karis LeVert mixed in there. Um, and the element will get even more, you know, flummoxed when Ricky Rubio returns to the court, which shouldn't be too long from now. Uh, for me, you know, I, I don't share the, the, the same beliefs that a lot of people do because many people believe that Mobley will and should eventually be the focal point of the Cavalier offense in order for them to reach their apex. Uh, I'm not quite at that point yet. The beauty in the current makeup of this Cavs roster is that Mobley is not yet required to and may never truly be the engine that drives the Cavs, uh, at least not right now, especially as long as the backcourt is such a strong presence on the court. Now, I know a lot of people are like, well, in order for them to get to their championship contender status, you have to allow Evan Mobley to elevate himself to the number one option. Uh, This is something that I continuously battle with in my mind because i'm just like okay you have darius garland over here who's averaging upwards of 20 plus points a game you have donovan mitchell in town who's averaging damn near 30 points a game how does that power that dynamic of power shift because one would essentially assume that you are going to probably move Darius Garland down to that third option and not necessarily donovan mitchell because as we've seen this season Donovan Mitchell is the guy right now. He is the Cavs leader in regards to offensive production. That is not something that you want to change because I feel like you're going to be doing him a disservice. And although we've seen that 
both of these guys can play off ball. Um, and you know, they're, they're still going to be a concern. They're still going to be a concern in that regard, because if you're taking the ball out of Darius Garland's hands and handing more opportunities to create to Evan Mobley, that is going to be kind of a shift, a shift that I don't know the Cavs have to make as of yet in regards to one, two, three options. You know, everybody likes to talk about, well, do you have that player who could be the number one guy on a championship team? I feel like the Cavs do in Donovan Mitchell right now. I feel like Darius Garland is a damn good number two. And right now, Evan Mobley is currently the third option. Will that change over time? Likely, yes, as Evan Mobley continues to mature and he continues to continue, uh, he continues to add more to his game, but that's not something that the Cavs have to rush. Um, having the, the current makeup of the roster, and again, this is without factoring in Ricky Rubio, um, who signed for a few seasons, having all that at your disposal, that allows Evan Mobley to grow into that role if he is ever going to be required to. If he's ever going to have to be the guy, the Cavs have some time to allow that to happen organically. They don't have to rush it along, especially when you're talking about a timeline in which the Cavs were never truly expected to be competing for a championship this season. It's something the Cavs can allow to play out organically. And frankly, I love, um, you know, Mobley, to his credit, has done a damn good job of filling up the stat sheet as of late. Over his last five appearances, he's been balanced as fuck. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Uh, he's distributed over 20 assists in his last five games, and in total, he's averaged 11.4 uh, points, 7.6 rebounds, 4 assists, 1.2 steals, 1.2 blocks. He's shooting 47.2% from the field. And yes, like I get it. He's a big man. You would like to see those percentages uh, be a little bit higher, turning towards the mid-50s or so. But this is just the nature of the game for the modern-day big. Those percentages are usually lower because they're, these guys are drawn out to the paint, a hell, uh, um, out beyond the paint a hell of a lot more and are taking more perimeter shots. Uh, it's just balance. This this stat sheet right here uh, is, is balanced as fuck. I mean, as all things should be. And, and keep in mind, this kid is only 21 years old, 21 fucking years old. There is still so much time for growth here. Just so much time. Nothing that the Cavs need to rush. And I get it after, you know, after this rebuild that the Cavs have gone through. Even last season, the Cavs fans are kind of like, oh man, we want it now. We want it now. No, just let it build organically. Uh Mobley's creation skills haven't been the only development, though. And that's that's the great thing here. There's a lot of things going on here that are not getting enough love, in my opinion. So I'm gonna cover. Uh another interesting development is the sudden effectiveness of Isaac Okoro from range recently. It is one of the more satisfying things to see in real time. I mean, for me at least, I'm I'm a huge Isaac Okoro supporter. And I say that because of the well-documented history Okoro has had in this area, specifically from range. Um, and to paint the picture for you, the Auburn product is averaging 8.5 points, 3.3 rebounds, 1.6 assists, and he's shooting 50.9% from the field, with the most important part being his production from beyond the arc. Okoro is actually shooting 44% from three-point range. Uh Good for 11, uh, 11 to 25, which is good for that 44%. That's 1.1 1 
makes on 2.5 attempts per game over that sample size. Uh, Not bad considering the totality of talent that he shares the court with on a nightly basis. You got Darius Garland. You have Donovan Mitchell. You're sharing the the front court with Jared Allen and whoever else is going to be starting at the three, usually himself, um, at least at this point. He's managed to combine that elevated production from distance with his already impressive drives to the rim. Uh, So, again, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, take a look at this play in particular because it kind of illustrates one thing that he does pretty well. So right here, as you're as you're viewing this, you you see he's standing in the corner. Man is standing in the corner, as he usually does uh, during honestly during most Cavalier possessions. He's out there and and honestly, it does. It serves to do two different things. Number one. It clears the paint for drivers to make their way to the basket, whether that be Darius Garland, whether that be Donovan Mitchell, soon to be Ricky Rubio, whether that be Karis LeVert, or any number of players that are going to be driving their way towards the basket. And then number two, it gives those same drivers an outlet to kick the ball out to which you need. You need spacing in today's NBA. It's one of those things that you want Coral to provide more of. It's one of those things that the Cavs are clamoring for from that small four position. That said, this is a typical possession for a core. First off, you have Donald Mitchell, who finds a cutting chair down, who then dishes it out to a core who stands in the corner, as usual, as you'll no doubt see here. Now, once a core gets the ball, he pump fakes, which I do not get why defenders are still falling for this. <laughs> defenders are still falling for that Isaac Okoro pump fake. Just watch that again. Dude just gets him up in the air. I, I, I do not understand why defenders are still falling for this, especially with the, the history for Okoro suggests that he is not hitting that three ball all that consistently. But again, he he, he gets his defender up in the air. Uh, and he proceeds to drive right past them or through them and muscles his way for the layup, with a lot of them being of the contested variety, as you can see here. And look, I'm not going to sit up here and, 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 and say that this is the, the only stretch of basketball, the only stretch of good basketball that we've ever seen from Isaac Okoro, because frankly, it's not. Okoro has had some pretty solid stretches of basketball throughout different points in his short career. There was his stellar month of May during his rookie season in which he averaged, I believe, 16.6 points, 4.3 rebounds, and 3 assists, but did not necessarily improve his production from range as his 3-point percentage still hung around 30%. Not great in that category. That was the one category I felt like the Cavs really wanted to see from him, although the, the scoring was definitely elevated. Um, There was his seven-game stretch between December 10th to December 31st of 2021 where he just so happened to average 14.4 points. And this is the thing. This is the big thing that everybody wanted to see. He completed a blistering 59.1% of his triples. That's 13 to 22 in total over those seven games with you know, that's that's a little over three attempts per game, which is decent enough volume to me to suggest the guy is kind of rounding the corner and truly uh, elevating his game in that regard. Um, that, to me, is the one thing that has consistently held players like Isaac Coro and Lamar Stevens, um, you know, just to name another guy who struggles in that category. Uh, that is the one Thing that has consistently held them back from earning that, soft forwarding, uh, that starting small forward position 
uh, for good. Frankly, that's just what it is. The Cavs need a three and D player there that is consistent and they have not gotten that um, in large part over these last few seasons from these players. And so that has them obviously, you know, trying to scrambling to make a move, uh, you know, whatever, what have you. And that's a conversation for another day. But again, if Isaac Okoro is able to continue to put together solid stretches of basketball, he might make them change their minds in that regard. Uh, and, you know, the point is Okoro has had stretches before, uh, you know, in which he appears to finally be confident and playing with without reserved worry because, I mean, we've heard too many stories of, of confidence ruining players' careers, ruining their, you know, their chances when they finally get the shot. Um, and I don't want that to happen with Okoro. And so for now, just like some of these other stretches that I just discussed, he appears to be playing confident basketball. He appear he appears to be playing without looking over his shoulder at JB, who you know who may pull him at, at the drop of a hat whenever he he might be off. Especially considering the dearth of talents around him waiting for their chance. Um, you know who knows what the what the lineup is going to look like. Who knows what the rotations will look like once you get all these guys healthy again? Because you still got Dean Wade out. Rubio has yet to make his appearance. Dylan Windler, God knows if we'll ever see him again. Um, but that just goes to say, you know, to, to show that there's a lot of talent in Cleveland right now. And the minutes and opportunities are not always going to be flush. So when you have the opportunity, you need to do something with it. And Okoro, for, you know, to his credit, has actually been able to do that. So while this 10-game stretch has been good uh, to see, it ain't the first time we've seen it. Uh, we just need him to do it more consistently. Uh, and with that said, we're going to close out today's show. Like we always say, if you want to reach out to us, you can at is Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to It's Cavalier 53 at gmail.com, and I'll send you an invite. That said, go Cavs. Have a good day.